His true colors came out. Was Ahithophel a great man that David, that loved David secretly? In front of everybody, he loved David, but secretly in his heart, he hated him. From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring. Every creature is unique in a song that it sings. All exclaiming, indescribable. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Ahithophel had a well deserved reputation for giving counsel almost as good as God. But in this case, his counsel was foolish and destructive. It was foolish and destructive because it was motivated by bitterness. Bitterness has the power to turn our best qualities sour. It was foolish and destructive because God answered David's prayer by prompting Ahipothel to give the foolish counsel and in prompting Absalom to take the foolish counsel. In the end, we see that Absalom was a clever and skilled politician, but ignorant about the ways of God. Now here's Pastor Rob as he finalizes these chapters. You know, when you read the Bible, you are in great company, especially when you're going through the stuff that's just racking you with everything you've got. And you feel like, God, I just, I don't think I can take anymore. I just feel like wave after wave is billowing on me and just wiping me out, Lord. I am so tired. I'm so beaten. I'm so broken. And God's going, wonderful. Look to me. Look to me. Look to me. Don't resist. Don't fight. Stop kicking. And David is walking across the Kidron Valley, broken. Are you getting to know the Lord like this? Are you learning to to trust and submit to the Lord? In Galatians 5.21, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and long-suffering or patience. It takes patience. Are you patient? Are you willing to be patient? Are you willing to grow in patience? I don't grow in patience unless I find myself being in places where I'm really impatient. And then I find out how impatient I really am and how much I need to grow in patience. So when you find yourself in those places, just submit to them and say, Lord, I know I'm just, my flesh is rising up. I just want to kill somebody. <laughs> But Lord, I just, I can't, I can't, I, I, I just surrender. I surrender. I surrender. When David was a little past, going into chapter 16 here. When David was a little past the top of the mountain where there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple saddled donkeys, and on them were 200 loaves of bread and and 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits and a skin of wine. You can read 2 Samuel chapter 9 and and remember uh, Ziba. He was a servant of Mephibosheth, uh, Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson, who was 
uh, David took Mephibosheth in after the death of Saul and his, his dad, Jonathan. And Ziba was supposed to, because Mephibosheth was wounded and he was a crippled, Ziba was the one and his sons, they were to take care of, of Mephibosheth's property, his, his flocks and everything, they, and, the, and the, the vineyards. They were to take care of those things for Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth got to eat with the king, this, son of, of, this grandson of Saul. Think of how great and what mercy was there. And then the king said, And where is your master's son, Ziba? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he's staying in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. We don't know whether this is really true or not, because if it was true, Mephibosheth would certainly have the motive. But in 2 Samuel 19, verse 24, we're going to get to this in a few weeks, he claimed that Ziba deceived him. So this is probably not a true statement at all. And we'll look at that when we get to it. So the king said to Ziba, here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. So all the things, that all the land, uh, King David's just kind of had it up to here. He's like, I don't even know who to believe now. There's so much deception. Does that sound familiar? You know, the press is telling me one thing, but the reality is something else. And, and David's like, I don't know who to believe. Mephibosheth is not here, but Ziba's here giving us goods, and he's telling me something. I don't know if it's true or not. I've got no reason to not believe him, but I don't quite get it because Mephibosheth was a very humble man. He was very thankful. I, I, can't, I can't imagine that he would do something like that. So David is conflicted, and he's like, you know what? All of his land is yours, you know, in a weak moment of frustration, perhaps. He says, Ziba, you take his land. You know, if he's a turncoat, then you just take it, you know. David not knowing, and later we'll see how that is restored back to Mephibosheth, at least half of it. So the king said to Ziba, here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you, that I may find favor in your sight, O Lord, my king. And so... Now, when King David came to Baharim, uh, which is further east uh, from the Mount of Olives, going eastward, there was a man from the family of the household of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, coming there uh, from there. And he came out cursing continuously as he came. And he's thinking to himself, David is finally being deposed. He deserves it. And as he's up on the mountain, he's looking down there in the valley as David and all of his his entourage, his family, the king's family is, 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 is going. And he's up there on the top and he's kicking the dirt on top, looking down on him, picking up rocks and throwing them at him. And um, thinking that all of a sudden now, maybe the kingdom will resort, resort back to the, 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 the Benjamin, right? Back to Saul's descendants or maybe even to Mephibosheth, you know? He's thinking these things and, and, and assuming that David's done now. He's done. He's walking out, he's, he's defeated, we'll never see him again, they'll probably chase him down and kill him, he's done. And now he's ingratiating himself to this new master, whoever that may, may be, assuming that ultimately the, the tribe of Benjamin may take uh, control again, who knows. But notice what he said to him, he threw stones at David and all the servants of David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right side and on his left. And Shimei said this when he cursed, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue now, David was certainly not a bloodthirsty man. He was a sinner and made some really huge mistakes, especially with the death of Uriah. But Shimei's words were nothing but slander and hatred. Does this sound familiar? Does, is there someone who slanders you every day before the throne of God? Yes, his name is Satan. He's always slandering you before God, saying what a wretch you and I are. 
And the, the sad thing is, is some of it may be true, even though we've asked God to forgive us. Still doesn't keep him from going and slandering us. So the Lord has brought upon you, and this is Shimei still um, uh, offering slander. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. It's so untrue. So untrue. David had at least two opportunities to kill Saul, and he didn't. David did not desire for Saul last, Saul's last remaining son, Ishbosheth, to be killed, but he was killed unbeknownst to David. David also brought Mephibosheth under his wing and provided food and for his servants, and he gave him the inheritance of his father Saul. Was David a bloodthirsty man? No, he wasn't. Now, Joab, different story. I think Joab was a bloodthirsty man, but not David. David was a merciful man. How many men would take their, their, the previous king's son into his own house and care for him and, and, and not seek to put other of the men to death? David, he had a different heart. Then Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Please let me go and take off his head. And Abishai, remember, was, the, um, was David's nephew from his sister, who was Zeruiah. Zeruiah was David's sister. She gave birth to Joab, Abishai, and another one of uh, uh, Joab's brothers. So Abishai is like, David, I'm tired of listening to this guy yap his mouth. I'll just go up there and take his head off. How about that? And David's like, what have I to do with you, sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Who then shall say, why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all of his servants, see how my son, who came from my own body, seeks my life. How much more now this Benjamite, this Shimei, let him alone, let him curse, for maybe the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look upon my affliction and that the Lord will repay me for good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went, threw stones at him and kicked up dust. And then the king and all the people who were with him became weary, so they refreshed themselves there. Meanwhile, Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, they came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel was with him. Ahithophel, remember, was David's counselor. He was a very wise man, held in high esteem. He was also, we believe, Bathsheba's uh, uh, grandfather, which you can now see the hatred that he secretly held in David, even though, he gave, even though David gave him this great um, place of authority in his life. Secretly in his heart, he's like, you know what, one day I'm going to get back to that guy. He killed my son-in-law. He broke my daughter's heart. So, and it was so when Hushai the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, Long live the king, long live the king. And Absalom is going, So, uh, is this your loyalty to your friend, Hushai? <laughs> or, I'm sorry, not Hushai, yeah, Hushai. And, um, is this your loyalty to your friend? Why do you not go with your friend? So, even Absalom is very suspicious about the motives. And his comments, and Hushai said to Absalom, No, but he whom the Lord and his people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. And furthermore, whom shall I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? As I have served in your father's presence, so I will be in your presence. And then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give advice as to what we should do. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, 
Go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house. And we learn from previous verses that David, before he left, he left ten of his concubines to keep the palace. And now Absalom is going to go in and sleep with those women on the top of the palace, showing to Israel that the coup is complete, because that's what a, a king would do when he would conquer a city. He would take the previous king's harem, and he would go in unto them. And Ahithophel knew that very well. And he says, you want to clinch this deal and make this a, a binding thing? You go up and you sleep with those women in front of everybody. And Absalom, he did this. And do you know that this fulfilled the prophecy? Turn with me back to chapter 12. Look at verse 7. We're almost done here. Thank you for your patience. Look at 2 Samuel 12, verse 7. Remember, this was the prophecy that God gave to Nathan to give to David. And what we're seeing here now in Absalom's life, how he went and slept with those concubines, now this is going to finish or at least fulfill this prophecy. Remember what it said. It says, Nathan said to David, You are the man, and thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave to you your master's house and your master's wives and your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if it had been too little, I would have also given you much more. And here it is. Why then have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife, and you've killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. And here it is. These are the consequences. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Did that happen? Did the sword take from his household? Yes, he did. Absalom killed Amnon, and we're going to learn later that Absalom himself is going to be killed. His daughter raped. And then it gets even worse. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. Who is this person? It's going to be Absalom. From your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, to Absalom. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing for all of Israel before the son. And there it is. And now we see it coming to pass. God telling David in advance what is going to happen. So when it came, he would understand that this was from the Lord. These are the consequences of sin. David forgiven, yes, but there are consequences. Boy, the consequences are the bitter pill, aren't they? I hate consequences. Would love to be able to just say, Lord, forgive me. And he says, you know what? I accept your forgiveness. And as a result, I'm going to erase it. And he does erase it, but I'm going to even take away the consequences. But God doesn't do that. He allows the consequences sometimes, most of the time, if not all of the time. And now the advice of, now the advice of Hithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. So he's a very respected man. And so was all the advice that Ahithophel gave to David and to Absalom. And you know, when we look at those who went into exile with David and those who didn't, we really get a good glimpse of him or get, get a good glimpse of who was with David and who was against him. And sometimes these kind of things can be really a blessing because it does truly reveal the hearts of, of men. You find out who your enemies are and your real friends are. Was, was Hushai a, uh, 
or, or um, was Shimei a, a friend? No, he was an enemy. His true colors came out. Was Ahithophel a great man that David, that loved David secretly? In front of everybody, he loved David, but secretly in his heart, he hated him, waiting for an opportunity. Did Absalom really love his father? Or was he just waiting for the right opportunity? He waited years after David did nothing over the rape of Tamar. He waited for years, steadily plotting, steadily plotting, steadily plotting, and at the right moment, he takes it. Was he a man who loved David? Was Shimei a friend of David? Was Hushai, was he a friend of David? Oh, yeah. Was Ittai, the, the, the man who came from uh, the Philistines, who had six other men of Cherethites and Perethites, who went over with David, was that a real friend? He wasn't even an Israelite, and he loved David. He's, his loyalty shown when all of his brothers of, of, of Judah should have been with him. The enemy of Israel was more friendly to him than his own blood. The Lord has a way of shaking the trees. <laughs> have you seen one of those? Up in Michigan, they have this machine that can go up to the cherry trees, and they have this machine that goes underneath, and it's a big net. It just goes right underneath the tree, and it comes up like this, and then a the little hand comes out and grabs a tree and just shakes it, and all the cherries just fall down. And the ones that remain are the ones that stay on the tree. They're not ready to fall. They're more stable. But all the other ones just fall to the ground. They fall into the net, and they're taken away. And sometimes the Lord allows that in our life. He's shaking David's life. And I tell you, it's, it's a horrible thing, but he found out who his friends were. He found out who his enemies were. Sometimes things need to be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken remains. Finish up in this verse and then we'll take communion. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, the writer of Hebrews quotes this this verse of Haggai, and we'll, we'll read it in context of Hebrews so that we don't have to. It's, um, it's actually uh, Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, and the author of Hebrews brings it out. But notice what he says. I think this is interesting because David's going through this. And you and I have gone through a shaking this last couple of years, haven't we? The last year and a half. I think that the Lord is shaking everything, and only that which is stable is going to remain. But everything that's weak is just going to fall apart. You see Christians who once were, were vibrant and, and they claimed to, you know, loving God and then the, the, the first wave comes along and they're just, they're gone. We never see them again. I mean, it's not for me to judge about what the, what, what's going on. I have no idea, but I know they're no longer fellowshipping anywhere. It's almost like their legs got cut out from underneath them. The Lord has been shaking this planet for the last year and a half. He's been shaking it. Notice what it says in Hebrews 12, verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And David's life was being shaken. And David found out who was really remaining with him. And everyone else just had ill motives, and it all comes out, doesn't it? It all comes out. The tree is shaken. And you find out who your enemies are.
So Chris, why don't you um, come on up? And um, This is a really sobering chapter. I didn't know we'd get through it. I'd taken you a little longer. I apologize. Sort of. Uh, it's such a wonderful couple of chapters, honestly, just to see the, the difficulty of David. And yet, in all of it, he surrendered himself. He trusted in the Lord. He was a broken man. May the Lord get us to that place. Amen. Just surrender. Just surrender. Say, Lord, I'm yours. Take me. After, uh, while Chris is sharing with us and we're worshiping, feel free to come up and grab the elements. Bring them back to your seat and we'll take them together, okay? First Corinthians. Paul said this, he says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We proclaim his death and certainly his resurrection. He put to death our sin. And that's what makes this, makes communion so special, is that we are communing with him. We're thanking him for what he has done. And as often as we do this, we do it in remembrance of him. How could we ever forget it? But yet, it's good to be reminded every time we get together. May we never grow tired of it, because I'm confident that when we get to heaven, we'll never say, Lord, I, I think I've heard it too much. I don't think we'll say that. I think we'll be so blown away that we are just going to fall at his feet. We're going to be overwhelmed with emotion. And it'll be that way for a long, long time. Just to know the depths of his love for you. Do you know that he loves you? He paid the price. That's why this, the the bread, his body that was broken. Let's go ahead and partake of, of the bread broken on our behalf. And that same night, Jesus took the cup and he passed it. He said, this is the blood of my new covenant, of the new covenant. Drink all of it. Let's partake. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for um, going to the cross for us. Thank you for being so willing to be the good shepherd, Lord, going before us, showing us things to come before they occur. Lord, giving us such peace in our hearts. Lord, we never have to worry about who the victor really is. You are victorious. You will always be victorious. You're the great king. And Lord, we tonight, Lord, just want to, as David was just broken and willing to submit himself to you and to trust you, to be contrite of a broken heart, Lord, We pray that, Lord, uh, even in our finest days, Lord, there'd be an attitude, an air about us that would be broken nonetheless. Even when we're experiencing the highlights of life and, and on the top of our game, in a sense, and feeling really wonderful, God, there's nothing wrong with feeling like that, Lord, having those beautiful days like that where we're just really enjoying our salvation. But, Lord, underneath it all, Father, there is a brokenness, and may you bring us to that place. And may we just continue to exalt your name. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Second Samuel. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.